Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome on, bienvenue, bienvindo, welcome, you're all right. it's the 79th episode of the What If Football podcast here on the Sports Social Podcast Network, it's the return of the Champions League, it's Le Grand Equipes, the 2000-2001 season of the best tournament on earth, will Real Madrid retain, who else could possibly win it, let's get stuck in. And we'll just do a little quick reminder that we are on the uh, the old Patreon there, patreon.com forward slash what if football from £1 a month, 4p per bit of podcast content, whatever you want to call it, if you like nostalgic stuff like this, what we're about to do today. We'll start off with the champions, why not? Of course, we're still in that pesky two group phases of uh, two... Two lots of group phases, 32 teams, 16 teams, finally the quarterfinals. So we'll start with the champions. We have to. Real Madrid are hunting title nine. They've got the likes of Sporting Club de Portugal under Augusto Inacio, who have just won the league title. You've got Bayer Leverkusen, who are fairly strong in there with your Balaks, with your Lucios, their Roberto's, Bernd Schneider, Carsten Ramelow, Oliver Nervel. So they've got a pretty decent team, but they've also... Also got to contend with Spartak Moscow, perennially a tough place to go, trademark pending. They've won all their home games, so that, you know, plays into the stereotype there. And this really does end up being crucial to Spartak's qualification. Real Madrid, meanwhile, inversely, conversely, whichever way you want to spin it, they're shaky in their away games. You get a point against Sporting, but only because of an own goal. They have to come back late against Bayer Leverkusen and, of course, lose um, in Russia, in Moscow, to uh, to Spartak Moscow. Leverkusen, despite having a really uh, 
promising young team. They fall the way the way many young promising youthful teams do. Good going forward, ship far too many. Um, they concede eight goals in two games against Real Madrid. Meanwhile, Sporting Lisbon, or rather Sporting, struggled to find the net. They score all their goals in the, the first three match days, which only yield a point, so they're, they're out of it straight away. Um, this is the season, though, of course, Michael Ballack announces himself to a wider audience, would become fully fledged the following year as a, one, of the, one of European football's greats. But uh, it's Real Madrid joining Spartak Moscow as uh, as was to be expected following Spartak's good home form. Roberto Carlos was superb, peerless with his goals in this group phase. Some key goals, some key assists in there as well. And we will move on. We'll continue on the Spanish thread, so to speak. Group C, we've got Valencia. We've got Leon, Olympiacos and here and Vane. Valencia, of course, previous finalists, still under still under the stewardship of Hector Coupe. You may have seen that. Uh, what if Valencia won the Champions League in 2001, which may spoil the ending of this podcast. But, I mean, come on, you've had 21 years notice. Anyway, Valencia have spent huge. Ruben Baraya, John Carew, Didier Deschamps. Pablo Aymar, they're, they're all into the squad after huge outlays. Gerard Lopez, Claudio Lopez, gone for combined 50 million euros, which is incredible, really. They've got a pretty tough group on their hands here to qualify Olympic Lyonnais. They snatched a Champions League berth from Bordeaux, who fairly impressed last time round, in, if you remember the 99-2000 season, which we covered a couple of weeks back. Um, meanwhile, here in Vain, when you and... Olympiacos, well, they are even more perennially harder to beat at home than Spartak and Moscow. Meanwhile, Valencia, they won their first four games. It's a pretty low-scoring group, this one. They scored only six. Um, only Spartak and Moscow were better in defence in the entire first group stage. And with two games to go, Leon had just won 3-1 at home to Heronvain. And um, that was it. That's all they'd won. And um, luckily, though, they would... Um, they would go on to win all their home games. Crucially, um, Olympiacos, that is, like Spartak Moscow, of course. Uh, just, you know, it's just the uh, the way these things go. We were pretty on point with the uh, the fact that hard to beat, hard to, hard places to go. He's still very much alive and kicking in 2000 and 2001. But unfortunately, where Spartak Moscow have more of a harder edge away from home, Olympiacos floundered. They lose away in Lyon in match day six, which confirms that it's Lyon, not Olympiacos in the last 16, and that is on head-to-head there. And I think this is where head-to-head comes into play, where it's better than goal difference, especially in short form like this, where if you've beaten the team that qualifies ahead of you, but they've whipped someone 7-0, it's not really fair, is it? Um, and I think most sort of... It should come down to head-to-head as opposed to goal difference anyway, because you've proven that you're better than that team on two occasions, or rather over the course of two occasions. Anyway, continuing that Spanish theme, we've got Deportivo, Spanish champions, of course, and rightfully so. They're in a group with uh, Panathinaikos, Hamburg, they're returning, and Juventus. It's like the 80s and 70s all over again. Meanwhile, Deportivo also in there. We obviously know the problems that Panathinaikos pose. Um, Hamburg could be dark horses as well. Uh, Meanwhile, Juventus were still a bit trophyless. You can't be a bit trophyless, can you? 
Juventus are still trophyless under Carlo Ancelotti, but ultimately, come on, they've got an incredible team. They've got an incredible team. And the first match probably sums up the group for Juventus. They draw 4-4 in Hamburg. Pippo uh, Inzaghi bags a hat-trick. The game had it all. Uh, goalkeeper Hans Jörg book scores from the penalty spot as well, which he often tended to do. It's not just a... I'm just going to show off. He does it most games, or he did at the time for uh, for Hamburg. And I think he played for Leverkusen as well around this time. Meanwhile, Deportivo showed in their first sort of stint that they've got plenty of resolve. They draw 0-0 in Turin. They score late against Panathinaikos and Hamburg to turn what would have been one point into four. They won in the final minute, final eight minutes rather, sorry, um, against Panathinaikos on the fifth match day as well. So combined with Juventus's failures at home, included in that is a 3-1 defeat to Hamburg. Going into the final match day, you've got Deportivo on nine points through, the only team through. Meanwhile, a point separates Juventus on six and Panathinaikos and Hamburg on five. So with Deportivo confirmed, you just watch the other three teams slug it out pretty much. And um, Juventus, we've seen them in this position, we've seen them in worse positions than this before in the past three seasons where they just don't get it together in the group stages. But then match day six, pull it right out of the bag. Now we said Olympiacos were tough to beat at home. You can probably extend that to Panathinaikos. Juventus have got a trip to Athens themselves. They don't have luck on their side on the sixth match day as they had done in previous years. They get beat 3-1 here, dumped out Hamburg they do have um, the head-to-head inferiority over Panathinaikos and just they don't beat Deportivo, they draw. So Panathinaikos safely through to the last 16 group phase. Group F is a bit of a, it's a strange one really. Um, You've got two, I wouldn't really yet call PSG a traditional team. Many think that they were birthed out of the uh, Qatari state in 2011 or whenever it was, but they had a very, very strong, good team in the 90s, won a couple of Cups won a Cup Winners' Cup in the mid-90s. Fairly decent, got to a Champions League semi-final. But you've also got Bayern Munich in there who are really ascending to become something here, the domestic treble winners. And then you've got Rosenborg, our boys, Rosenborg. They're still alive and kicking. They're joined by their less esteemed, at least in the Champions League, Scandinavian pals, Helsingborg. So, PSG, they'd come off a Europolis or Europe lossless 1999-2000 season to qualify in behind by domestic standards in France, a dominant Monaco. Now, we've seen Monaco get to semis in 98. They're pretty good in terms of domestically as well. They won the uh, Ligue 1 title in 2000, more on them later. And um, for PSG, their main players, really, Lauren Robert, who's top scored in the past few seasons, would do again this time round. And you've also got the small matter of Nicola Anelka. Anelka, of course, who was... So crucial towards the back end of um, of Real Madrid's tenure in the Champions League last season. Had a big part in the final, had um big, even bigger part in the semi-finals where he scores two of the goals and really transforms Real Madrid to nearly meant to, to win their uh, eighth title. And it was Bayern Munich against which he would score those uh, so important goals in the semi-final, which after Bayern Munich had humiliated Real Madrid... More on more on that. Um, check out our previous episode um, of Le Grand Desert Keeps as Bayern Munich floundered. Would Bayern Munich have a similar bottling of the job here? Well, they convincingly went through as top. Meanwhile, you've got um, PSG scoring for fun, really. Um, really, their attack better than their defence, but 
that's the only reason why they're in. And it's also because of the head-to-head record against Rosenborg, really. Rosenborg, they won 3-1 against PSG on opening night, but ultimately the Norwegians shipped seven goals, seven goals on uh, match day five, and that was the difference between PSG and Rosenborg. Helsingborg, absolutely nowhere. And um, pretty, pretty cut and dry group there. Unfortunately, we won't be seeing Rosenborg in the last 16 with all our second favourite teams, I think. Um, and they're out of um, the Champions League for another year. I'm sure, absolutely certain they'll be back next year, regardless. Let's go to Group G. And in a pretty strong field this time round, we've got some more front runners in Group G. Manchester United. Now they've been straddled with uh, bad tough groups really and here in 2000 finally they've got what looks on paper a, a simpler group and elect hadn't been in the champions league since 1994 psv had failed at the groups in the last three seasons and rude van nistelrooy was out with a long-term injury after of course agreeing a fee for a transfer to manchester united um dynamo kiev was uh, still under the control of valery lobanovsky the legendary manager but they'd by this point, they've lost both Sergei Rebrov and Andrei Shevchenko. Um, but that didn't stop Man United, similar to Bayern, really uninspiring in their qualification. It's a season where um, their home form takes them through. And it's the home form, really, that doesn't really give Roy Keane that much optimism, especially from the fans, which prompts the Prawn Sandwich Brigade comments. But they were impressive enough at home, 5-1 against Anderlecht, 3-1 against PSV, albeit a late win there, and a 1-0 win against Dynamo Kiev. And going into that last match, United were third with seven points. Meanwhile, Anderlecht on nine, PSV on nine, United only picked up one point away from home, losses to... Um, to PSV and Anderlecht to blame for that one, but it wasn't all doom and gloom really for United because Anderlecht and PSV both met, and even if the pair drew, a United win would be more than enough. They had the head-to-head over Anderlecht, they had the goal difference over PSV, and um, United were essentially through with a win, and a point would be enough for Anderlecht. They took all three to uh, reaffirm their spot as uh, top of the pile and um, winning the 93rd minute. Um, so that robbed United of top spots and uh, United with the 1-0 win, fairly uninspiring itself, puts them into the hat for the last 16 draw. And we're not firmly out of the woods yet with English teams. In Group H, we've got Leeds. In Group B, we've got Arsenal. Now, Leeds joined a pretty hefty group, really. Um, probably because they were the upstarts that hadn't been in the competition for eight years. They were in there with uh, fellow upstarts, Besiktas, um, who hadn't been in the tournament for three years. Alongside them, Milan, keen to avenge last season's exit to a British team. And you've got Barcelona, who had gotten rid of Louis van Gaal, who had gotten rid of Luis Figo to, of course, Real Madrid. But in terms of trying to get over that loss, they spent wildly akin to scenes when they sold Neymar for a ridiculous amount of money and then just went absolutely wild in the transfer market. Here it's obviously to a lesser degree in terms of the cash, but still still has that ruinous sort of vibe about it. Mark Overmars is in for 40 million euros. Manny Petit, fairly old by this point, 14 million euros. Gerard Lopez from Valencia, 22 million euros. Alfonso, 17 million euros. To us, in 2022, that might seem like a 
that might seem like a bang average market of um, big team proportions, but let's extrapolate this to 2,000 standards. That is a lot of money. Yes, Luis Figo went for a lot of money too, but wow, that is a lot of cash that they're separating with. Um, and it doesn't go to plan, let's be honest. Um, Milan are able to go toe-to-toe with Barcelona, or rather Rivaldo, who scores a hat-trick for Barca against Milan, but it's a 3-3. Barcelona loved a 3-3 around this time um, with Rivaldo there as well. And um, that was essentially the difference between Milan and Barcelona in terms of elimination and not. You've got Leeds getting absolutely battered by Barcelona in the camp now, but through Elibo, your winner, fortuitous with Dida Zera there um, late on against Milan. You've got six goals put beyond Besiktas. You've got a absolutely crucial point in the San Siro, courtesy of the hero Dominic Matteo there, you've got Leeds into the last 16 and a very real chance of actually being quite a good dark horse here. You've got David O'Leary, young, fresh manager, the team, young, fresh team, Viduka, Smith, Boyer, Woodgate, etc. Ferdinand's there by this point as well, by the second group phase. So you've got there and obviously challenging for the league title as well back home. You've got an incredible team there that could do something. Meanwhile, Arsenal... They were top of the tree in England in 98 by 2000, 2001. They've been taking a bit of a batter in the expectations of Rays since going toe-to-toe with United, since winning the double in 98. Um, this would mark their third trophyless season in a row. But finally, finally, third time of asking, they can play European football at Highbury. And alongside them, you've got a very stern test in Lazio. Just ask Chelsea the previous season. You've got Shakhtar Donetsk. You've got Sparta Prague. So for Arsenal, it could have been a lot worse. Could have been a lot, lot worse. Um, like Leeds, it could have been an incredibly tough group. But they've gone a bit unscathed, really, in that. Lazio were the champions of Italy. Boasted absolutely superb squad. Um, Sparta Prague were an unremarkable seasoned team. A bit like even though we do support Rosenborg wholeheartedly in this, a bit like towards their sort of standards, really. But uh, they have the odd good season where they get, might get through to a last 16, but ultimately fall apart. Shakhtar were, were fairly new, but could cause a bit of a problem. And they are, ultimately, the Ukrainians left with a memory of a 3-0 win over Arsenal, but uh, and very little else. But Arsenal were already through, and that's because Freddie Lundberg was terrific against Lazio. Martin Keown scores a late double in the reverse in um, at home to Shakhtar Donetsk. Arsenal put four goals beyond Sparta Prague too in a match quickly where Arsenal changed their kits midway through. They changed to the, uh, from their third kit, the blue against what was a red and blue Sparta Prague kit. Come on, they must have known. They're at home as well. They play in their away kits a bizarre amount of times in this Champions League campaign. I counted three or four. Um, so yeah, they, they changed their yellow kits. Um, or Sparta Prague could have just sent an away kit. I get that that might not be possible, but just playing the yellow kit, this should not happen at elite football level, should it really? It's ridiculous. Surely they've got kits on site. Anyway, enough of that admin. Um, crucially for Arsenal, though, is the Robert Perez equaliser. Stunning goal as well, um, with two minutes to go in uh, in Rome. Uh, to be fair, night and day. Lazio were pretty good night and day between the uh, the two qualifiers and the two clubs eliminated. And we wrap up the first group phase with a bit of a quirky group, really. We've got Sturm Graz, we've got Galatasaray, we've got Rangers, we've got Monaco. Sturm Graz had a season or two under their belts of uh, Champions League football. Rangers, fairly similar, would be very... Um, 
will be very confident of getting through this, really, when you consider it. And uh, Monaco, champions of France, hadn't played in the Champions League since the semi-finals in uh, 98. But since you've got departures, key departures all over the field, really. You've got Ali Benabia, Willy Sagnol, Fabian Barthez, Sylvain Lekwinski, Thierry Henry, David Trezeguet, even the manager's gone, John Tigenaar, uh, Claude Puel's in. So you've got a very very different Monaco team, even though they were very, very successful at home. This is a completely different step. Meanwhile, Galatasaray, you can lump them in with your Panathinaikos, your Spartaks, your, um, who's the other one? Olympiakos, Panathinaikos, yeah. And uh, yeah, very dangerous at home. Current UEFA Cup champions. So they're a very, very good team aside from just being good at home. And um, Sturmgratz were the, <laughs> perhaps the oddest team oddest sort of record the the top with a minus three goal difference that's all you really need to know but they get pumped five nil twice in the group phases yet still finish top teams that inflict those results on Sturm Graz Rangers and Monaco both undone by trips to Istanbul and Graz which means it's just a it's just a really odd group phase you always get one of these I suppose this time round in the 21-2022 season, it would have been the Salzburg group with Wolfsburg, with Lille and Sevilla. That would have been the odd one here. This is even worse. Um, meanwhile, Galatasaray take Rangers on head-to-head, really. You've got Mario Jardel scoring the winner at home. You've got a nil-nil in Glasgow as well. And, and I think we should have a minute for Georgie Hadji's goal against Monaco. Unbelievable, unbelievable. Um, still got it. Still got it. Um, nearing the end of his career, of course, but wow, what a goal against Monaco. He's, I'm counting that as the goal of the groups, probably the goal of the tournament. But regardless, anyway, we'll 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 leave you there for the break, but I should leave you with uh, a key stats that you, some people may know. Um, I just thought it was quite funny. Um, some Gratzer Stadium was called the Arnold Schwarzenegger Stadium. Um, I'm not sure if he, if he grew up nearby or he was just, let's just pick an Austrian, famous Austrian, and not that one um, to be the sort of name of our club. Adder. Not a clue. Not a clue. Probably should have researched whether he was born in Graz. I'm not sure. I don't think he was. Um, maybe he's a huge Sturm Graz supporter. Never seen him at a game. But um, that's by the by. After this short break, we'll be looking at the second group phase. We'll be looking at the knockouts. Who can win the Champions League title? Well, we'll see after this brief break. Welcome back. The competition has started to heat up. Let's start at Group D because we're absolute maniacs. Real Madrid, Leeds United, Andelect and Lazio. Andelect, of course, conquerors of Manchester United. Leeds and Lazio have previous. Real Madrid, it's an incredible group, isn't it? Leeds and Lazio don't have previous. It's Chelsea and Lazio have previous. Lazio have previous with English clubs. So it's a group of death. If we've got one in this, which we probably don't, looking at the four of them there, maybe Group C with Bayern Munich, Arsenal, Leon, and Spartak Moscow. Maybe Leon probably aren't at that level yet. But Lazio were probably favourites to join Leeds. Quick turnaround from the first group phase to the second group phase, of course, probably about two weeks. And then we get match days three through six. The other side of the winter break. I never truly got that. I never truly got the second group phase, to be honest. Um, glad it's gone. Don't want the format to change from what it is now. That's by the by. Soon we'll be out of this mess. Um, anyway, Lazio were completely nullified from the off. They lose 
the first two games before Christmas in this group, then lose the third one on the uh, way back and then draw the fourth game. So Lazio done and dusted. So that really does open the door for Leeds. Leeds is heroes with Lee Boyer. Lee Boyer, absolutely incredible um, amount of goals in this season. Alan Smith as well scored an absolutely crucial goal in Rome. And um, those wins against Lazio and Anderlecht really see them through. Um, 4-1 win against Anderlecht leaves Leeds in the hot seat, but ultimately the uh, Real Madrid results not up to uh, not up to scratch. With um, Lazio's win over Anderlecht, their only win of this second group phase, it's enough to confirm Leeds through before the final match day of the second group phase. So it's really, really comfortable for Leeds. And despite finishing second and not getting the advantage of first and you know getting having to play their second leg away from home you still fancy Leeds to do something they've already conquered Barcelona Lazio teams that last season we were we were seeing in the thick of it that could have been a semi-final so maybe maybe you fancy them I mean I grew I grew up in uh, West Yorkshire by this point everyone supports Leeds um, and being a Manchester United fan although very very successful at the time most successful in their history. It's still depressing. Still still depressing to watch Leeds be good. Anyway, speaking of Manchester United, let's go to Group A. The crucial matches in this group were Valencia versus Manchester United and, and cultivated two draws. Valencia's away goal, um, a Wes Brown own goal on 87 minutes. Unfortunately, Wes Brown was pretty known for these in, in the uh, European games, be it own goals or grave errors. Um, we'll, find out more on that next time we go back to the Champions League. It sees that uh, Valencia retain their head-to-head superiority despite you know not beating Manchester United, although alternatively Manchester United don't beat Valencia. United's crucial player, probably it was last season, it was Roy Keane, wasn't it? This time it's Paul Scholes. He scores crucial goals time after time in this season. Andy Cole, to be fair, um, probably the last few flickers of his Manchester United career before he leaves last season, the following season. He chips in with a fair few as well, and you cannot forget the, uh, can't really let this by without the uh, Panathinaikos team goal that Paul Scholes scores with a, just a looping finish. One of the best goals I've ever seen Manchester United score. And going into the final match day, nobody's really sort of confirmed as through Man United have eight points, Valencia have six and um, Sturmgrats have six, Panathinaikos have one, or ever, with two matches to play, sorry. Valencia would concede just two more goals, or two goals in total, one uh, from open play, and they seal qualification with Sturmgrats' third 5-0 of the tournament. It's, a, it's really a wonder how they got so far. And got To be fair, they got quite close to uh, qualification for the quarterfinals here. Um, all they had to do in the final match at Old Trafford was beat Manchester United 3-0. Now, they couldn't do it the previous season. They can't do it here. United win 3-0 and are safely through. But unfortunately for them, they were undone by Valencia with their point against Panathinaikos. So, Manchester United finished second and will face the winners of Group C. And it could have been Arsenal. Very clear. could have been Arsenal. But by match day four, it was very clear that the, um, the winner between Arsenal and Lyon was crucial to who was going through, who was joining Bayern Munich, really. Bayern Munich had shown their extra gear, back-to-back wins over Spartak Moscow, that, that illusion of um, Spartak being tough to beat at home, shattered by what is a very good 
Bayern Munich team, Giovanni Elbert, still in the goals, Paolo Sergio, still crucial, not as um, not as at the forefront with his uh, winning goals this time around as he was last time, but still coming in with um, some pretty important goals there. And it seemed as though Arsenal were going to destroy Bayern Munich at home. They were 2-0 up inside about 20 minutes, but uh, unfortunately they, they were held in the end. But regardless, it was... Um, it was enough for Arsenal, a 2-2 draw. They, they probably ought to have won against Leon twice, but um, Ed Mielsen's late leveller um, at Highbury was, um, meant that it, it was going on to a bit of a knife edge, really. Arsenal's late win against Spartak Moscow left them a point ahead of uh, Leon going into the final match. And Leon were expected to qualify in regards to this because Arsenal were travelling to Munich where Giovanni Elba scored the winner. So Arsenal essentially need Spartak Moscow to do them a solid, and they do. They draw 1-1. So with that head-to-head and with that 1-0 win away, Arsenal are just about squeaking through to the uh, to the quarterfinals. So we've got three English teams, all three English teams, in the uh, knockout phase. I think that's for the first time. It's got to be for the first time, hasn't it, really? Um, we've not had it before. And um, Arsenal fell, failed at the second group phase last time, I believe, or the first one. Either way. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Joining them, we've still got to discover the last two teams. It was expected, although I would expect it to be Deportivo and Milan, but... Those pesky Galatasaray players win all their home games to nil. And this is definitely the peak of a provincial club who's very, very dangerous at home. Very, very good domestically. Never quite sure what what side of them you're going to get on the big stage. But here Galatasaray were at their pomp in their peak. And incredibly dangerous at home, as we said in the previous, um, in the previous section. Compare that to Milan. They draw all their home games and finish third, and that's essentially the uh, the difference between qualification to the quarterfinals and not. PSG, they only beat Galatasaray at home on match day six, by which point, obviously, it's it's far too late for them. Deportivo and, and Galatasaray as well both qualified before that match, so, I mean, you can't really begrudge Galatasaray from easing off the gas. They're probably not going to catch Deportivo. They don't, and it is Deportivo, Galatasaray, joining the likes of... Bayern Munich, Arsenal, Valencia, Manchester United, Real Madrid and Leeds. Real Madrid and Bayern Munich were on the collision course again, as they were the previous season. Real Madrid and Galatasaray was the first quarterfinal in Galatasaray. Playing at home, could they even beat Real Madrid, the champions of Europe? 
course they can. They completed an undefeated season at home in the Champions League with a 3-2 win. They were two goals behind. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. What team they were. Four wins, two draws, zero defeats. But it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough to clinch a even a second European semi-final in a row. Definitely wasn't enough to clinch a second European title in a row. As they were resoundingly defeated at the Bernabeu 3-0 by Real Madrid. And they would meet the winner of Manchester United and Bayern Munich. And I said that man, Paolo Sergio, was uh, not as crucial this time round. But he scored a late winner at Old Trafford in a 1-0 win, of course. Asterix this, 2001, still the land of the away goals and a 1-0 loss at home. Even by 2001 standards, I think is still all but terminal, really. And that got proven in the fir- in the first half of the second leg. Bayern Munich scored two quite quickly. Um, Ryan Giggs' goal fails to rejuvenate United. And to be fair, United were far, far lacking in comparison to... Uh, into- compared to Bayern Munich, especially in that second leg, which is uh, very disappointing when you consider how dominant United were back home and considered probably probably only behind Real Madrid as the best team on, on earth in terms of form. Obviously, Bayern Munich had something to prove. They had Real Madrid, a bit of revenge in their minds from the semi-final the previous year. And it is Bayern Munich, Otmar Hitzfeld, Otmar Hitzfeld rather, Pulling a similar trick to what they did at Old Trafford in terms of their first leg away from home again. Giovanni Elbe scores 1-0. Take it back to uh, take it back to Munich. Score two at home in the first half. Similar formula. Hits exactly the same. Opponents can't stop it. This time it's not Ryan Giggs. It's Luis Figo with the goal. The consolation it would prove um, not able to enact a comeback. And you think now Bayern Munich have waited so long to win a European Cup. Not since the... Uh, the three in a row in the uh, mid-1970s as uh, Bayern Munich won a European Cup. Will it be fourth-time lucky after a loss against Aston Villa in 1982, a loss against Porto in 1987, and of course, the recent loss in 1999 against Man United? Well, we've got to see who they're going to play first. So we have Valencia versus Arsenal in the other quarter-final from the other half of the draw. A game, really, that hinged on Roberto Ayala scoring at Highbury. The away goal has proven so crucial by Bayern Munich. One of the finest centre-backs of his age, really, Roberto Ayala. Probably doesn't get remembered as fondly now, but back in the day, definitely in the top five, top ten centre-halves, in sort of like the early, in this sort of three-year bracket here that we've got. Ultimately, though, Arsenal rally back. Thierry Henry scores, miles offside like, but... Um, he scored, and Ray Parler scores an absolute cracker. I mean, Jesus Christ. Even better than the goal he scored against Chelsea in the cup final the following year. This was explosive off his boot. But it's a 2-1 win, which, yeah, fair enough, Arsenal you should celebrate that. But in the back of the minds, away goals, got to go back to the Mestalla. And it was going so well for 70 minutes, 75 minutes. Um, and then John Carew nips in late on in the day and... Like Man United, they pay the price of that away goals rule. Two English teams out of the quarterfinal, will there be a third? Well, well, Leeds, they play Deportivo and it seemed as though Leeds had done their hard work in the first leg. They'd, um, they'd won without conceding at home, like Arsenal couldn't do, especially like Man United couldn't do. 3-0 winners, and you think, right, that's insurmountable. Deportivo and comebacks, well, 
we've done a great games podcast over there on the great on the uh, Patreon page. But that's in the future. We don't have that knowledge now. But Jalminia scores a penalty early on in uh, in La Coruña. Diego Tristan scores a second with 17 minutes on the clock remaining. And Leeds are just about clinging on. They showed all their experience in their away days in the San Siro, in the Olimpico, in the Camp Nou, Bernabeu. They've come a long way in this year and they just about hung on. Hold on to the first Champions League semi-final since 1975. Only their second European Cup semi-final as well. They got to the European semi-finals last time. UEFA Cup, Galatasaray, 1999-2000 season. Here, though, they've got a very, very different opponent, Valencia. Nowhere near as successful against Valencia as they were against Deportivo. Another trip back to Spain, of course. Could spring an away goal on them after a nil-nil at Elland Road, but by the 52nd minute, the game was as good as get as good as as good as dead. Really, Juan Sanchez got a double. Guys come in Dieta as well. And Leeds, even though they'd been so good away from home, probably better away from home than at home, really, even considering a 4-0 tonking they took at Barcelona. But they not even the best teams, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, could overturn that three-goal lead against Valencia. And it's Valencia again, just like in 2000, they are in the Champions League final. Second time lucky, well... It's off to the San Siro for them. And within three minutes, they had an absolutely perfect start. They did what they couldn't do in 90 minutes in Paris 12 months prior. Guys come in and Dieta scores from the spot. Bayern, though, they do get a reprieve. They win a penalty. Uh, Mehmet Scholl takes it, but it's saved by Santi Canizares. Well out of his line, well off his line, well out of his net. Unbelievable. Only rivaled by Dida in the 2003 Champions League final. Unbelievable how far off his net, off his line was. But to be fair, it was a, I don't know if it was a rule in terms of written in law, but it was sort of, I don't know, an unspoken, unspoken rule where you don't come off your line or either that or it just wasn't, just wasn't um, sort of ruled upon. But it, it was obvious. It was so obvious. Not as obvious as Dida's, admittedly, but come on, come on. He doesn't dive for it either, but saves it. Uh, Mehmet Scholl goes close from a from a free kick as well and then 51 minutes on the clock Bayern Munich win a penalty Stefan Effenberg Canizares doesn't dive again but he's sent the wrong way this time Bayern Munich now in the ascendancy it, people give the 2003 final a lot of grief for being a poor game to watch and being tactical beyond belief and a nil-nil dour result this game wasn't good either this game was not this game deserves some hate as well if you're going to hate on the 2003 Final. Neither game should do because really, because it's a Champions League final. It's not about the performance; it's about the result. Anyway, on, in terms of open play chances, you've got Zlatko Zajevic um, curls wide on the counter. You've got Casten uh, Janka drills wide, but it's from distance. Extra time comes and goes. Elba has a shot saved, decent enough chance. Mehmet Scholl curls wide from a free kick again. Um, Bayern Munich probably should have had a penalty, another one, a third one, but yeah, in the Champions League final, you can't really be seen to be given three penalties, even though, I mean, the first one, borderline. Um, second one was, it was a handball, and rightly so. Third one, a referee was on, under immense pressure to uh, to give that. Um, anyway, we go to the penalty shootout. Paolo Sergio, crucial for the past two years since his signing for Bayern Munich, sends the first kick over the bar. 
And then you've got Mendieta, Salihamizic, Karu, Zikla, all scoring. And uh, Zlatko Zajevic with Valencia's third kick can just put them three to a head and really ramp the pressure on. But Oliver Kahn saves it again, comes off his line, but not as egregiously as uh, as Canazar is there. And, and you get a stream of, of saves. Patrick Anderson, comfortable save off Canazar is. Amadeo Carboni smacks it off the bar as well. And, and Bayern Munich then take advantage. Sudden death comes early for Stefan Effenberg, but like in normal time, he scores again. Ruben Baraya has to score, does so. And uh, Lizarazu thumps one in. Keely Gonzalez, unstoppable into the corner. Thomas Linker says, uh, sends Cannavares the wrong way. And Maurizio Pellegrino, future Liverpool Hall of Famer at centre-half, future Southampton manager, of course. Denied by Oliver Kahn. Valencia lose another final. They would not be back. And I found it really fitting that a season of really dodgy penalty decisions and quite a lot of ridiculous diving ends in a final settled by a penalty shootout with two goals for penalties in the game. Um, in terms of ranking this season, in terms of Bayern's you know, European Cup history, I don't think they have the household names as they did in the 70s, but then again in the 70s their, their wins weren't too... I don't think they were as revered as they possibly could be, as, as revered more so than the three champions that preceded them in Ajax. And um, the level of opponents, I don't think, were wholly up there. San Etienne, Atletico Madrid, which who took them to a replay, really. Um, all those two good teams, obviously you have to be good to get to a European Cup final, but not in Bayern Munich's league. Leeds just got over Don Revy's uh, move to England as a national team manager needed some a large amount of help from the referees in 1975 for that one and then that's it and then you've got to wait until 2001 to win your fourth and then it's the trebles of 2013 and 2020 which have a lot of merit and this is probably where Bayern Munich if you look at all their Champions League final opponents they've not played a, a, an insanely big team Valencia were just so close to breaking into the upper echelons of elite football in 2001. Borussia Dortmund could be the same in 2013. PSG, although people tend to think of them as an elite team, they bottle it, they flake at the last minute. And you could say that PSG were only there because of the one-legged knockout stage games because of the uh, pandemic. So, I mean, PSG for me aren't... I don't rank them that highly. I mean, they're good for now. They're very, very flaky, as we've seen this season as well, again, which is, you know, the third in line of a long list of, you know, egregious exits from the tournament. And then coupled with the opponents in the 70s, they're all sort of burgeoning second-tier talents. And when you when they play in Manchester United, for example, even in Aston Villa, they, they don't tend to uh, fare well in the final of course, with the Porto loss and the Man United loss, both of those came shockingly um, with late defeats there, which um, could have been f very easily, um, very easily won. But I would, I would rank this dead in the middle, probably above, well, alongside the Saint Etienne win, in terms of uh, how they won it. That's probably alongside that, and then 
probably Bayern's better wins have been the most recent ones because they're treble wins, which is infinitely more harder. Even though you've got Dortmund and PSG as opponents, I still think the way they won them were probably like a fine wine. They've got better in terms of winning the Champions League and uh, are now only behind Milan and Real Madrid as um, as European champions. Now they could they level on six with uh, Liverpool, of course, could easily change this season. Um, I'm recording this well in advance of the quarterfinals, so you'll probably be able to tell me if I'm way off the mark with that one come the end of this season, or maybe maybe a bit of truth that Bayern Munich could usurp Liverpool and be at level on seven with Milan, but uh, there we are. Next week, the second legs of the quarterfinals are here, so we'll still be covering the Champions League, we'll still be covering Leeds Grandes Equipes with the 2001-2 season Bayern Munich, could they retain? No, they can't. But who will step into that void? Well, we'll find out next week, won't we? As we take another nostalgic look back on the Champions League. Other nostalgic stuff on our YouTube page, on What If Football there, on the What If Football Patreon page as well. And uh, for more podcasts like these, check those out as well. That's all we've got time for today. Until next time, thank you very much and silly. Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.